man, I love this process. I really, really do. And that's why I got into it. I worked in publishing for a number of years and, uh, and now I've, have been an agent for a number of years. And so I would, tell, I would tell anyone who's in the beginning of that process or anywhere in that process, keep going. Don't stop. It's no matter how it gets out there, no matter how you publish it, do that work. Like It's worth it for the rest of us who get to read that work that you did. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi, writers. Probably the most common question I get asked as it relates to the work that I do is how do I find a literary agent? And maybe this surprises you as much as it surprises me, because for sure, not every person who asks me this question is actually looking for a literary agent. But I think it's just one of those things we have a lot of curiosity about. And you're in luck because today I'm going to help you answer that question. I'm going to do that by talking to my friend and also the foundry of the Bindery Literary Agency, Alex Field. And Alex is the expert of all experts. He's been working in publishing and journalism for over 18 years. He's worked for Penguin Random House, the largest publisher of trade books in the English-speaking world. He has worked for the Los Angeles Times. He's published a number of New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling books, and he's just the best of the best. So I'm so glad you're going to get to hear Alex's advice today. Alex and I are going to talk about who is a literary agent and what they actually do. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about this. And so whether you're new to the publishing world or whether you're seasoned, I think you're going to learn a lot from what Alex has to say. We'll also talk about when you need a literary agent and how to find a good one. So if you're actually looking for one, or if you're thinking maybe in the future, I might need one, these will be great questions for you. We'll talk about some things that you can do before you reach out to a literary agent to make sure you're really prepared. And then we'll also talk about how to reach out to an agent in a way that's going to get the response you want. So Alex is actually going to share from his personal experience what gets his attention when an author reaches out to him. So whether you're just curious about publishing or whether you're actually trying to get a a literary agent yourself, I know you're going to love hearing from Alex's breadth and depth of experience. Hey, Alex, it's so good to be here with you today. Hey, Alec, good to talk with you again. Uh, yeah, good to hear your voice. You too. I, it's fun that we get to catch up this way because we haven't, I haven't talked to you in several months and you know we've worked together on a couple of different things and shared clients back and forth. So fun that I get to catch up and hear about what's going on with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to, to see all that you're doing as well with the podcast and, and find your voice. So yeah, this is great. Well, let's start with the question that I always start these interviews with. I'm curious to hear your perspective because you're coming at it from a different angle than most people that we interview. But the question I always start with is, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. And I think, you know, I, I think I think about this in a couple ways. And certainly I think about it practically for the business that I do. Uh, so there, you know, I approach it from that side, but 
you know, I got into the publishing business because I love the craft of putting words together to, to share what people are, you know, learning about their lives and what they, what they want to share with other people. So for me, I start with finding your voice means what you want to write about. It's not necessarily how you're writing, although that's, that's another part of it. Like the most important part to me is what is it that you want to convey to the mm. reader, whether you're writing an article or a book or, or some other piece of writing, even a poem, what is the content of that? And, and, you know, I talk about that probably as you do, Allie, with our authors all the time, you know, what, what, what should I write next? What's the next book that I'm going to tackle? Yeah. And, and often, I don't know if you, if you find this, but I, even though this is an imperfect measure, I often start with a sort of a passion, you know, discussion, like what are you really excited or passionate about right now? Because I don't think that's a mistake. Like when we're passionate about something, we get excited about a topic or something we want to write about. I think that's there for a reason. And in some ways, finding your voice is those things that you're, you're sharing with the rest of us that you've learned in your life that you want yeah. to leave behind for posterity. So that's, that's the kind of first piece that I start with when I talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That passion piece is so important because I mean, if you think about it, the amount of time it takes to, uh, you know, dream up a book and then to sit down and write it and then to promote it, that period of time can be like three to five years. So to be talking about that topic for that long and researching and writing about it, you really have to be, really has to be coming from inside of you. You have to be sort of chasing down the answer to a question that matters to you. I think otherwise, you know, I mean, best case scenario is you get bored with it and abandon the idea. Worst case scenario is you're kind of trapped doing this thing that doesn't feel authentic to who you are. Exactly. Yeah. I I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, as writers, as each of us chase those things that, that we find really resonate with who we really are in an undivided way, that whole person that we really are, I think we will find what it is we have to share with the world in a more authentic yeah. way. So I, that's, that's something we seek in publishers that we work with. That's something we seek in authors. I think every editor that is editing a book has a voice in a sense, and they're yeah. doing a similar thing in the books that they acquire. So Kind of, you know, from that 30,000 foot view, that's where I begin with this. Like I said, it's an imperfect measure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So I didn't plan to ask this question, but I'm curious from my personal experience and from so much of the work I've done with clients, what do you do when you are really passionate about a topic and you know it can have an impact on other people because it's had an impact on you, but you aren't sure that there's a true audience there for that topic if you haven't proven the audience yet? Do you have thoughts about that? Is it? Do you tell people to chase down their ideas anyway? You know, that's a, that's a, a really difficult one. We, we get that all the time, as I'm sure you do. We yeah. have authors who are really passionate about a particular thing that, <laughs> that those of us who've worked in publishing a little bit know might be a bit of a challenge just from a strategic standpoint. Sure. Um, so I, I think there are ways to pursue those passions and find an audience for those particular writings, whatever they might be, uh, regardless of, of uh, whether it needs to be a book right now or it needs to come later. I know, and this may be a little bit old school, blogging was so big in the, in the 2000s, the aughts, but it's, it doesn't seem to be now. But I, I work with an author right now who, and this is <laughs> super impractical, I could never do this, but he writes literally five to 600 words every day, puts it out into public on a blog-like platform uh, and on social media. And he's gotten into that rhythm 
for him, it's every single day. And for yeah. some, it might be once a week. But finding the audience for the content that he's very passionate about has been, you know, it's it maybe came through an unconventional means. Yeah. It wasn't a book right away. And now it's it's translated into lots of publishing. And that's been really fruitful. But it took him a few years, you know, to build up an audience and to to find it really to find the way he wanted to communicate the things he was most passionate about. So sometimes, you know, maybe it's those, those regular social media posts that people are putting out there. Maybe that's where it needs to start. And sometimes we, we suggest that to the authors that we represent. And sometimes it's, it's maybe we start with, with a book that makes uh, strategic sense and we come at the passion book later. I, those are hard conversations though. And, and certainly it's the author's decision every time, whether to pursue that perhaps less commercial project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, it's a tough, that's a tough balance to strike and attention. I think authors deal with every day, the, the tension between art and commerce. So thanks for sharing yeah. your thoughts on that. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you for the show in particular is because I think literary agents get this like magical unicorn status in most of our brains. And for people who are aspiring authors and who want to publish traditionally, probably the most common question I get asked is how do I find a, a literary agent? And which I find hilarious knowing what I do about the publishing industry. Although I identify with that as a new author, but knowing what yeah. I do, I'm like, you don't have a book proposal document. You don't have an idea. Like you don't know what you even want to write, but yeah. everyone's obsessed with knowing you know, how am I going to get an agent? Can you give our listeners just like a broad scope understanding of who a literary agent even is and what an agent does? Yeah. Yeah. We can start with that. I, so I'm a literary agent. I work for an agency that I, I run called the bindery binderyagency.com. There's several of us who, who are literary agents on the team and uh, a literary agent. I, I like to think of as, an advisor, a, an advocate, an ally with, you know, to work alongside uh, an author uh, directly. And, you know, that person can negotiate book deals for you. They can come alongside and advocate when you, when you really hate your cover design or you want to change the title midway through the process. An agent is there to really talk with an author at the very beginning of the publishing kind of journey and to plan out the, the most strategic and there's a lot of ways it can happen, but the most strategic way to publish as an author. But then also sure. like I tell every author that we work with, ultimately we serve you. We work for you. So if you want to do something uh, that you're really excited about, like we're going to, we're going to help make that happen as best we can. So an agent is, is a partner in the publishing process for, for authors, for every book that they that they write and even other kinds of publishing as well. So that's, that's kind of generally what a literary literary agent is. But. Well, I mean, the other detail that I can think that might be helpful for our listeners, for someone who's in that position where they're thinking, I think I need to find a literary agent because I want to traditionally publish my book. Uh, you know, the first thing I tell people to do is to create a book proposal document, but maybe you have a different piece of advice. Cause I do know sometimes literary agents, depending on the agent, like to be involved in the content creation process. So what would you tell someone who's a first time author who knows they want to traditionally publishers at least leaning that way? What would you tell them that they need to know before they seek out a literary agent? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, there's a lot of information out there on the internet about that for sure. So it's, it's a cloudy sometimes conversation, but 
you know, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's never, it never hurts to have an idea of what you want to write and even to build a book proposal around that idea. Uh, as you know, I mean, for, for nonfiction books, it's, it's oftentimes the case more often than not that you, you only need a couple of chapters of a book to put together a proposal to either mm-hmm. pitch to agents or publishers on the fiction side, you know, you need an entire, especially for a first time author, you need an entire manuscript that's complete and as good as you can get it to then take that to agents and or publishers. And, and there's a lot of ways that, that connecting with an agent can happen. I, I sort of think of, I mean, agents are like editors who, before I was an editor at a publishing company, were sort of a mystery to me too. They're regular people who love books and love publishing. Yeah. And every, every single day, I think, and I know I do this for myself, an agent wakes up hoping to discover a new author or project that they can take out into the world and be really excited and passionate about themselves. They're normal people, but they only, you know, they only represent a handful of authors, most of them. And, and that's to the author's benefit. Yeah. So they're not stretched too thin. So they, they can't take on everything that they get pitched. So it is difficult to find the right person, but it's worth, you know, it's worth taking the time to go through that whole process. A big question that I have, and I know so many of our listeners will have too, is when you're looking at a new author and considering working with them, what role does platform play in your decision to partner with the author? Yeah, platform is is a big deal. I mean, it, it it's always a part of the discussion, no matter what. Even if we have the most beautifully written novel mm-hmm. anyone's ever read, platform is still part of the discussion. And the reason is because it's marketing is hard. <laughs> marketing books in particular is very hard. And I think, you know, everybody's trying to get attention for everything right now on social media, on every platform that we're, we're looking at. So I, I sort of think of platform as any way that a writer is starting to develop an audience anyway. And that can come, as you know, in so many different forms. And I think it's actually a really good discipline, even though it's difficult for a lot of writers. I'm generally a pretty introverted person, so I, I understand how hard it is to market oneself. But I think it's okay to, to you know, maybe it's uh, it's writing articles for your local paper, or it's putting out, like like I said before, with with a friend of ours, a blog post on a regular basis, or or posting to social media, building up an audience any way that you can, sharing your content and starting to get feedback on it. Is, is important. I think that's a really, really important part of the process. So platform is always part of the discussion. And I, you know, gosh, it's so hard to say, like, become the chief marketing officer for your book publishing, right? Because yeah. that's sort of lame and it's, it's not ideal. But like, ultimately, you know, I really want the author to be able to be the, the first and final advocates for their book. Like, they're the ones putting all the time and effort into making this the very best it can be. And, and honestly, like when an author tells me, I don't really like my cover design or whatever, like I want to go and fight for them. So they're really excited about their book launch because they are the front line when it comes to talking about that project. So platforms important, marketing your books important. You know, there are lots of ways to start that. And I don't recommend that you get on 17 social media platforms, like pick one or two and like invest in those. Yeah, I agree. And I really appreciate the way that you talked about that and just the different examples you shared of what it can look like to grow an audience because 
I think one of the challenges that we face in the year 2021 as an author and especially as a newer or aspiring author is that we're no longer just writers, we're entrepreneurs. And we, just like you talked about, you're on the front lines of selling your book. Even if you do partner with a publisher, a lot of the responsibility for marketing your book falls in your lap. And so you have to kind of become your own expert on your people, your readers, your audience, and your content, and figure out creative ways to connect with the people who you hope will purchase your book. And I think, you know, one of the problems I have with the platform conversation is the big drawback to it in my mind is that when we think of platform like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, then we go to Facebook or we go to TikTok or, or we do whatever to get however many people we can get to pay attention to us, to follow us. That doesn't necessarily mean those are people who are going to purchase our book. And it doesn't, the process of making reels or TikToks or whatever, (laughs) doesn't make you a better writer. You know, I mean, it might get you a bunch of followers on Instagram, but then I've worked with clients too, who have a big audience paying attention and they aren't sure what the message is that they want to communicate to Mm. their audience. And Mm. I think that's the harder, deeper work is figuring out like, what's the thing I want to say? If I've got a thousand people listening to me, what's the thing I want them to hear me say? So, you know, that's the harder, deeper work that we have to do as authors. And the marketing stuff is strategy. It's a different part of our brain, but ultimately Mm. at the end of the day, we have to learn how to do both. I love that so much. That is truly why we do this work, right? Like it's not to build an audience or to you know, become an influencer or whatever, all those other things that come with building a platform. It really is about like, what do I want to say? Who, (laughs) you know, who am I? And what do I want to say about that to the world? I've often talked about when I'm 95 years old and sitting on the the front porch, this is like an old cliche, but like, what do I want to remember having done or shared with the world that I learned about our short time here? Yeah. What is it that I am leaving behind? And and I, that's a little dramatic, right? I get it. But <laughs> my, my goodness, that's the important work. Like that's what we were put here for. Why not take the time to get that right? Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's not an, it's a, certainly a, a, a time consuming process to figure that out. But totally. that's, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to talk a little bit about just the world of traditional publishing. Again, I feel like this is one of those things where it feels like the veil is kind of drawn. And if you don't, if you haven't participated in a traditional publishing process, there's just a lot you want to know that you feel you don't know or don't have access to the information. Mm. One of my first questions about this has to do with just the year that we have all just lived through with coronavirus which changed, you know, the landscape of pretty much every industry that we know of, but I know it's had an impact on traditional publishing. And I'm curious if you can talk about like a before and after picture of traditional publishing, what has been the long-term impact? And I know you're sort of, you're pontificating here because we don't really know, but (laughs) (laughs) what do you see as being the long-term impact of coronavirus on publishing? Yeah, that's a that's a good question and, and a hard one to answer. You're right. It, it's not a lot of it is still sorting itself out. There are certainly some practical and immediate effects, you know, paper shortages and printing slowdowns, like literally like that, that became very difficult. And in fact, I had a couple of authors who <laughs> had books coming out sometime within the last year yeah. whose books actually changed their pub dates because there were people at the publisher sorting out all these paper shortages and, and printing timelines and things. So that's a really kind of silly, but practical side of the it that we saw. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's real. It's absolutely real. As you know, the marketing side of book launches changed irrevocably. Like it was completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I don't know. Did you actually launch a book like last year, Allie? I'm trying to remember. You have a book. It was January out. of, of twenty twenty one. So it was That's still right. before travel had opened and you know, no possibility of doing any kind of speaking tour or uh, anything like that. It's brutal, right? It's brutal. Yeah, yeah I have authors who had like, you know, forty event book tours planned just off the schedule had to change everything overnight. Yeah. We had clients and I have friends whose books came out in March and April of last year. You know, there was just no time to even pivot. That's I I really, really feel for those people because you you know, years of work goes into publishing a book and then to have the rug pulled out from under under you is really tough. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, we saw that a lot as well. I have, Oh, just some dear, dear authors who we love and books that we're so proud of that, you know, had a tough time last year because of that. However, there were some nice things that came out of it as well on the marketing side. We all learned to do online events better. Mm -hmm. We learned how to try to launch a book using social media in a time where gathering together was not possible. And so, you know, some of those, those things worked out and were great. And I also think like, I'm not a huge fan of Zoom. Let me just be honest, but we're all on Zoom now all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, certainly saving everybody a bit in travel costs. And I'm sure travel will come back here soon. It's coming back already. But some of those things I think will give us efficiencies that help. A lot of the publishers that I talk to, and I'm sure you talk to every day, are not back at the office yet and won't be for a long time. Yeah. So they, there may be a lot more remote publishing happening, editors living where they want to live and their marketing and sales teams doing the same. So there are lots of things like that happening. And then of course, I mean, the, it's impossible to ignore the content side of this too. And it's not necessarily because of COVID, but you know, some of the discussions around race and gender and other sure. things that have become so prominent in the world right now, which is so good. Uh, have resulted in lots and lots of publishing that I think is going to be great uh, and really hopefully very helpful. So I agree completely. You know, the other thing that I have noticed content wise is my book came out in January of 21 and I finished my manuscript. I want to say I turned in final edits like late March or early April of 2020 And I remember at that time in history, we weren't really sure what COVID was going to do. Like we, I have a recording of me on a podcast interview. I recorded around that time saying to someone, I can you believe this thing has lasted three weeks. (laughs) And I'm just (laughs) like, listen back to that now and laugh at myself. Cause I'm like, no, get ready for like buckle up for 18 months or two years of total life change. But you know, one of the decisions that I had to make was, do I mention coronavirus in the book or do I not? Because, you know, if it had been a blip on the radar and three weeks later, we'd all been back to life as usual, it would have felt strange for someone in 2021 to read the book and have me mention it. But, you know, knowing now what I know, I'm so glad that I did mention what was happening in the environment at that time, because now it would feel strange to read a book and have it not mention (laughs) coronavirus. (laughs) Just like you're watching TV and you're like, how are these people not wearing masks? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's changed the ways, the way that our brain processes information. It really has. Yeah. We've seen that. We've seen that in a lot of the manuscripts that, that authors have been turning in. Well, and, and that's another piece of it as well. I mean, everybody, uh, a lot of people, I should say, not everybody have had, 
a bit more time to work on those writing projects that they put aside or they maybe delayed on. And the flip side was also true. Some people kind of found themselves in stasis or maybe paralyzed by what was mm-hmm. going on and weren't able to write. So we saw both with our yeah. authors. There were so many changes as a result of that really strange time that feels like it's now starting to open up and, and who knows, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm so glad we're all getting vaccinated and it's, it's looking better. Same here. Do you find that traditional publishers are more or less hesitant to bring on a new author? I think in the beginning, right when it happened, I was noticing budgets were frozen, projects were being cut that were, you know, maybe kind of like bottom of the priority list, even projects that still got published, I think maybe got shifted around, teams got shifted around, that sort of thing. Do you know now in the beginning of 20 or middle, I guess we're in the middle now of 2021. How has that happened? Are they more hesitant to bring on new authors? Um, yeah. So we, we noticed when, when things kind of froze in March of last year, uh, yeah, there was a time where we, we, we saw a handful, usually midsize or smaller publishers froze what they were doing or pause what they were doing in some way. And some even canceled books. I, I, I'm yeah. sure there are a handful of those and, and really just kind of focused in on their core business and trying to ride it out. I actually told this to a number of publishers. I felt like that was a, a maybe a short-sighted strategy. But again, we didn't. none of us really knew. I was saying, oh, yeah, by June, we're all going to be back and it'll be great. I, I was so naive to, to this as well. So maybe that was smart. But other publishers I noticed were, were doubling down and acquiring just as many, if not more, books at the time and all through last year, which is, which is really good to see. I'm, I think I shared this with you earlier. I'm really grateful that our industry was somewhat um, spared. Yeah. Somewhat spared. Yeah. I mean, so many industries were not, so I'm really yeah. grateful for that. But as far as new authors, I did see a lot of publishers investing in new authors, especially when they were saying something that was seen as really important or relevant for the, the moment that we were living through. And, and certainly the normal publishing that we always see seemed to pick up fairly quickly after a few months went by. Now, I, I know there are some publishers that are still struggling, but for the most part, it seems like everybody's kind of back at it, as far as I can tell. That's so great to hear. It's really encouraging. We have a lot of authors who are on the fence about whether they should pursue traditional publishing or self-publishing. And I've talked a lot about this, but I'm wondering if you could give your perspective. If someone's on the fence, they're trying to decide which they should try, especially if you know they have a smaller or mid-sized platform. They're not sure the platform numbers are really going to get a publisher's attention. What are the perks to pursuing traditional publishing anyway? And then what are the drawbacks? Yeah, it's... It's, uh, I always op- kind of open it up when I'm talking to authors and they ask this question and I get it all the time. You can get your book out there in so many ways now. Uh, there's no wrong way to do it. I mean, depending on what your goals are. So that's kind of where we, we usually start is I just say, what, what are you really shooting for? If you want to be a New York Times bestselling author, then maybe you should consider you know, having a team around you to traditionally publish. But yeah. if, you're, if your goal is to like print... 500 copies for family and friends and to keep for posterity, then there are lots of ways to make that happen. And and self-publishing is easier now than it's ever been, as you've probably talked about. So there's no wrong way. I, I often talk about the marketing part of it as well. Like if you feel really savvy on the marketing or the social media platform side of this, you can actually be quite successful 
on your own, like no problem. Completely. But and you you know that. I mean, like that's there's there's lots of roads to make that happen. But man, it's and and I'll I'll qualify this in a second, but it's so nice for a lot of the authors we serve to have a team come around them and somebody comes to you and says, All right, here's kind of our first pass at your whole marketing plan. Let's let's tweak it, let's change it, let's add some ideas here or there, and we'll hire this person to do that. We'll bring in a publicist to get you on these shows. And like that doesn't happen when you're just by yourself. You're not only the chief marketing officer by yourself, you're the CEO, you're everything. You're doing all the operations, you're warehousing your books. That's not ideal. So I, I find that you know, for those who don't want to make they don't want to essentially run a publishing company, yeah. traditional publishing still makes sense. But my qualifier is, and you know this too, I'm sure, like a lot of publishers have a lot on their plates. And so they might be publishing 60 or 100 books a year and you have to fight for their attention. Like sometimes that's just a reality. And and that's another reason why I said earlier, like I look for the publisher or the editor that's really passionate about the book that we're sharing with them. Mm. Because sometimes that passion, when it comes down to it and you need them to do one or two more things for that book launch or that marketing campaign, because they've got 17 other books coming out that yeah. season, yeah. like sometimes that passion will, will help them go a little bit further than the other publishers you're talking to. So I always try to qualify that because there are disappointing things that happen in publishing. Marketing is hard and campaigns don't always go the way we hope they will. Launches don't always happen the way they hope they will. And then, of course, you have massive curveballs like COVID. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of where I generally come down. I'm curious what you what you think about that, though. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. And the thing I always try to remind people is that publishing is a business and that you have to, you know, that tension we talked about before of art and commerce, you have to think a publisher is a business that's trying to meet their overhead and create profit margin. And, you know, they, they'll take a risk on an author that they're not sure about, but they also need to have authors on their roster who they are, they can have relative confidence that the books are going to perform well in the marketplace. And so it's a different conversation to have with an author what are you passionate about? What do you want to say to the world? What's the <laughs> message you want to leave behind? And what's going to sell? And right. I think sometimes authors can get deflated by the conversation of what's going to sell. You know, I mean, that's where the rub comes in with traditional publishing is a traditional publisher wants to know, will this sell? And you have to prove to them in order to get their attention, like you're talking about. And this is true with an agent too. If an agent can only work with 10 or 15 authors at a time, and they're taking a percentage of your book sales, in order to put food on their table for their family, they need to know that most of those authors' books are going to perform okay in the marketplace, you know? Yeah. And as an author who has traditionally published, I think you also feel that pressure where you know, you know, my agents depending on income from my book and the publishers depending on income from my book. And I really want to buy out my advance and I want to, you know, show that I am kind of worth the investment that was made in me in this book. And there's some pressure there that if the book doesn't perform, you know, it's not just like, of course, we have to ask questions like, what am I passionate about? What do I want to say? But at the end of the day, that can't be the only thing we're thinking about if we also want to sell books. Yeah, I completely I completely agree with all of that. In fact, I wrote an article for Writer's Digest a year or two ago about that very thing. I, I sort of posed the illustration like, think of your editor, your future editor that you want to work with who's going to buy your book and take a risk. Like, it's not just 
the company that's taking a risk. Imagine this person who is, they went to you know school and got a degree in English or creative writing. They came to this publishing company. Maybe they interned somewhere. They did a, a junior level job somewhere. And then they became an editor. And they're excited to do this job and acquire books for a living every day. And they get 15 to 20 shots a year, maybe less, maybe 10 yeah. or 12 books. And those books, every single one of them is a risk for that person, right? So they're they're taking a risk with you and your book that you know their boss is going to look at their performance at the end of the year and how did these books perform sales-wise. So it's a lot of pressure on that person. Yeah. It's not just some faceless, nameless organization passing on a book in a cold-hearted way. It's a person who's like, okay, I genuinely love this. The same way you were talking about that with the agents earlier, like, I really love this book, but can we sell it? What does it mean yeah. for our, our company and our profit margin? So you're exactly right. And that's that's just a part of the business that we all have to sort of and wrestle with. And it's a, it's a good, healthy part of the business, I think, because the more sales means the more people are reading that book that you put out into the world and spend all yeah, this time completely. on. Completely. I mean, I've self-published books and traditionally published books, and I think there are strong pros and cons to each. And it's just a matter, I love what you said about identifying your, like what a win would be for you, because I think that plays a huge role in making the right decision. You know, if a, if a huge win for you is my kids read this book and they're transformed by it, then putting together a book proposal document and going through the rigmarole of cold calling agents and trying to get someone to take a look and waiting for a traditional publisher to sign a contract with you that may not be worth the effort. But if you're trying to create a career for yourself as an author and, you know, one of your goals is to hit the New York Times list or the Washington Post list or whatever, then traditional publishing does provide you with the support and the team that you would need to meet those goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's no wrong way at the end of the day, you'll end up with a book in your hands, but I think that's, that's a good place to start to, to map that out for an author. Okay. So let's talk specifically about if someone's listening and they're thinking, I think I do want to give traditional publishing a shot what are some things that they could do to prepare to reach out to an agent? And then I'll ask a part B of that question, which is, you know, how do you, how do you uh, make those introductions or, you know, what do you say when you send the cold email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of ways to start. I think some of the things you mentioned, Allie, at the beginning of this early on is like, should you start and just build a book proposal? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not get started with your book proposal? I think making sure that you're, you're figuring out a way to put yourself out there and more importantly, how to put your, your writing or the content you want to share out there in some form. It doesn't have to be the traditional way on Facebook or whatever. It can be on a podcast. It can be all kinds of things, but look for a way to start sharing your, your writing with people um, and build that influence, build that platform. Even if it's small, just be there, start have a website, have a blog, yeah. whatever that might be. So I think having some of those little pieces in place, even if we love somebody's stuff and we're like, we really want to work with them, often we'll have to go through those steps with them if they haven't done it yet before we'll take something to a publisher and try to try to shop it. And I think that's just, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're serving our authors well and that they have the very best shot 
of, of, of really achieving those goals we talked about, whether it's yeah. becoming a best-selling author or whatever. So I, I have an author that I can think of right now that I've talked to within the last year that we, we really love. Like we know them well, we love the writing and I want to take that book proposal out to publishers, but there's a few steps and for this particular person, I want them to publish a few pieces in, in some public places where they can be seen, and I want them to build platform. And so we're walking through that right now. And that will serve, ultimately, the, the publishing process well if we do it right. So those are some things before you reach out to an agent. When it comes time to, you know, whether it's sending a query letter to the five or ten agents that you really think would serve you best, I think research those literary agents who are out there doing the kinds of books that you want to write so that you can find that information at publishersweekly.com. You can find that at writersdigest.com. There's a place called Publishers Marketplace Mm -hmm. where a lot of literary agents and publishers are listing the deals that they're doing as they're getting done. And so, you know, if you're wanting to write a very specific book on, Maybe it's basket weaving or whatever, right? Like go find that particular category that would be in like the how-to category of whatever and see who's representing those kinds of clients and getting good book deals for those, for those authors. And then, you know, pitch and don't take it personally when someone's full up or they're busy or they can't take on more clients. I often tell people it's most of the time it's not personal. And in fact, most, sure. I'd say almost 100% of the time, it's nothing time. to do with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really about, okay, I'm full up. I've got too much on my plate as an agent, or this isn't the right book. I don't sell these kind of books very well. And that's better if they pass on you. Um, sometimes it is specific to your project. Like this isn't quite at the level that it needs to be. And I would always encourage writers take that as helpful feedback and criticism Absolutely. I think the nicest thing an agent can do for you when you pitch them is to give you constructive feedback. I actually think, you know, most of the time what you'll get is someone who's too busy, can't respond, and you may not hear back from an agent that you pitch. But if you pitch an agent, you send them your book proposal document. This has happened a handful of times for authors that we've worked with. And you get an email back that says, here's how you could make this document better. Just know that that person took time out of their busy day for someone that they've never met before. They have no context for, they don't know and saw enough potential in your idea that they took time out of their day to give you feedback. So it can be hard to receive that kind of constructive feedback, but I actually think it's the nicest thing an agent can do. I do too. I think that's gold. Use that and, and make your, your project better. You know, give it as many passes as you can until you're you're sure this is the best I can do right now, and then get it out there and and know that the agent's going to have feedback on that content. Your editor later is going to have feedback on that content. Yeah. I, the other thing I would say about reaching out to agents is, if you know someone who's working with a great agent that you think would serve you well, uh, a referral always helps. That honestly, I take a look at every referral that we get. We get a lot of them. We don't sign every author that is referred to us. But when when a personal friend or or someone that we're already representing says, hey, my friend is writing something, I think you should take a look. Always. We always take a look. And that that that's probably the number one way we sign clients. You know, I tell authors, it's like a job search. You know, it's really like the success is found in the numbers. So the more emails you send, the more likely you are to get a response. 
And I say all that to say that what you're saying is so true, whether you're searching for a job or searching for an agent, that to have that personal connection just really brings your name to the top of the list. Yeah. So I agree with you completely. Having that personal connection is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We do look at every query that we get sent, but we get a lot of them. So a lot of them just don't quite yeah. fit. So, but, you know, that's, yeah, is what it is. Well, Alex, you've given so much useful information for our listeners today. I'm really, really thankful. I'm wondering if you have any last minute encouragement for, we've so many first time or aspiring authors listening to the show. Do you have any kind of encouragement that you want to give to them as we wrap up? Yeah, man, I love this process. I really, really do. And that's why I got into it. I worked in publishing for a number of years and uh, and now I've, have been an agent for a number of years. And the only reason I keep getting up and doing it every day is because I, I really do love it. I love coming alongside someone who has something that they're, they're passionate about, that they care about, that they want to share with the world. And, and so I would, tell, I would tell anyone who's in the beginning of that process or anywhere in that process, keep going. Don't stop. Like if, if you write this thing and you spend a year or two or three of your life putting your heart on paper and whether it's a novel or a piece of nonfiction or a memoir or whatever, and you're proud of that thing at the end of the day, I think it's worth going through that process and having that no matter what happens, no matter how it gets out there, no matter how you publish it, do that work. Like it's worth it for the rest of us who get to read that work that you did, who get to kind of learn from you what it is that you care about in this world and you want to share with the rest of us, like just do the work, like it's worth it. So I, I, I'm, I'm obviously an optimist when it comes to this, this industry <laughs> and, the, and the industry's hard. Don't get me wrong. It knocks people yeah. down. It can be frustrating, but my goodness, like I get up hoping that I get to see somebody's precious manuscript and, yeah. and fall in love with it. Like that's what we all do this for. So yes. I wish you the best of luck and I, and I hope that you keep going and you finish your, your work in progress. Thank you. That I think that optimism is so needed because it is a tough industry and you know so many people give up before they get to the finish line. So I'm really grateful for that and I know our listeners will be too. There I know there are a couple of other places where we can go learn from you. You have your own podcast, right? The Bindery does. Yeah, we launched a little podcast at the beginning of last year and then COVID hit and we haven't done too much more, but it's it's <laughs> called On Publishing. And we interviewed some publishing insiders on there. So that you can find at our website at thebinderyagency.com. So, and that's where, you know, there's a little information about us and you can query us there as well. If, if you find the, that we might be a fit for, for you as an author. Amazing. Thank you again, Alex, for taking the time today. We're so grateful and just really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you, Allie, for the service you're providing to all the authors out there. I love it. And it was a pleasure to talk to you as well. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.